It's been a good morning so far. I apologize right now if I ruin it. Thank you, Kaylin. Thank you, Kaylin, for everything this morning. And Rob, too. Thank you. So, what is, what is vision? <clears throat> Most of you may know that I come from a marketing background and creative direction, graphic design, copywriting, things like that. And so, when talking about the, the, the subject of vision, uh, there's, there's books and books and all different kinds of stuff you can find about that. And oftentimes people will confuse what a vision is with what a uh, mission statement is or core beliefs or values or your why statement, things like that. We've all, if, we, or if we're in business, if you're in business, you know what these things are. And there are different formulas for what each one of them is and how they relate to each other, blah, 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 blah. So when I started thinking about this, I'm like, oh, I gotta, I gotta clear out the clutter of of that whole subject matter. One of my favorite um, authors in the marketing realm. So this is probably not a book you're gonna you're gonna buy and read. It's it's by a guy named Seth Godin, called This Is Marketing, and basically what he says is that as far as business goes, and this is not a business here, right? As far as business goes, your vision is, it answers the question in the minds of the consumer, uh, people like us do things like this, right? So it's about belonging, something about belonging. And as a marketer, you want to be able to present something to someone so that they can envision themselves in a certain kind of, of place with a certain group of people that they associate themselves with. So vision it can be thought of as that. It's all language. Vision is language. It's how we talk about ourselves as we are, but it's also how we should be talking about ourselves as we want to be, as we want to become. And so it's very important to find the right words. And it's taken me quite a while to come up with words that are close enough, I think, to the truth. So what I, the first thing I did when, when thinking about the question of our vision, Beth Kuhn's vision, is I went back and scoured our website, all of our printed materials, finding everything I can about what we have said about ourselves in the past, what we're saying about ourselves currently, things like that, that are out there for people to read and to see. Most of the stuff on the internet, on the, on the website at least, we're probably not going to, but people who have not been here yet and who are wanting to know more will. So I printed this stuff off and I put it all in a big pot, not literally, but figuratively, put it in a big pot and just stirred it around. Like, okay, all these different things we've said about ourselves, certain things we've called vision, other things we've called mission statement, other things we've called this, that, and the other, and it's so just mix it all together. Get rid of the things that are rep repetitive and, and distill it down into a nice elixir that I could put in a small bottle and hand to you. 
I'll tell you what a vision is not. A vision is not detailed. It's not how. It is, it is a picture. It is a glimpse. It is something that we see that is not here, but that could be. And so there's not a lot of detail. There's no need for detail. The detail will work itself out. The how will work itself out. So long as we, if we stay committed to the picture, what we, what we see. In Numbers 13, we see a great example of vision in the persons of Joshua and Caleb, two spies, two of the 12, who got instruction to go and to spy out the land, to go and see, to see where it is we as a people, the Israelites, will be living. That's their home. They're to go and look and report back. Joshua and Caleb, they could see past what? The obstacles. They could see past the things that might not allow for the vision to be fulfilled. They could see past it. They didn't concern themselves with those. Numbers 13, verse 30 says, Let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. This is after the other ten had reported to the people, No, no, no. There's giants. There's, it's, why ah, we can't do it. Joshua and Caleb, no, no, I see, I see the goal. We can take it. Maybe they didn't know how exactly at that moment, but they were unwavering in their belief in the vision for their people. They saw the land. They could see it. They burned that picture into their brains of where they would be. So, after stirring this cauldron of words and sentences and statements we've said about ourselves, I've come up with some words and statements we can say about ourselves, and I'm going to share those with you now. Drum roll, please. Oh, that's Joshua and Caleb. Sorry, I didn't advance this line. There they are. Hey, look. Yeah, there's the land. Okay. Imagine that that was up for the last five minutes. All right. Ready? Beth Takun is a commonwealth of households who, in the light of Torah and under the authority of Messiah Yeshua, strives to do God's will of love of God and others. Manifesting his kingdom on earth. I see nodding heads. Not bad for words, right? There's, I didn't count how many, but it's succinct. It consolidates and, and distills a lot of things we've said about ourselves over the years into something fairly memorable. A commonwealth of households, let's say it all together. A commonwealth of households who, in the light of Torah, and under the authority of Messiah Yeshua, strives to do God's will of love of God and others, manifesting his kingdom on earth. And we do it this way. We listen to God as we dig deeply into all of his word, the Tanakh and the Brit Harashah. 
We disciple each other in our friendships, families, and mentorships. We embody chesed to each other and our neighbors through hospitality in our homes, our Sabbath home fellowships, and our corporate gatherings. We speak to God in daily prayer, supplication, thanksgiving, and petition through liturgy, song, praise, crying out with broken hearts, or shouting with joy. Does that sound, does that sound good? Okay. All right, we're done. All right, we can go to lunch now. <laughs> Again, these are just words, right? This is a statement. This is a declaration. Okay, I can, I'm, I'm good at that. I can do that. It took me a little while to find the right ones in the right order. I referenced my thesaurus a lot, as I usually do. I'm sure you can appreciate that, Heather. That's my favorite book. Aside from the scriptures, the thesaurus is awesome. But these are just words, after all. They're pretty good as far as words go, I think, and I saw some nodding heads, so okay, we're good with that. But it's not enough. There needs to be more. It's helpful to have, but... What? Think back. For some of you, you'll have to think back far. For others, not quite so far. Think back to when you first first came here to Beth When you first were exposed to it. What is it you loved about it? So just take a moment and think about that. What did you love about it? Oh, did you want to? Oh, you want to answer the question? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so in the early days, uh, there wasn't an auditorium so much as there was a big room with round tables and everybody came and they, did, they, they feasted on God's word together around a table. They opened their Bibles, they dug in, and they got to work. Part of the reason why we've swapped out pews for chairs is because we will be getting some tables too. And so on Shabbats like this, we can come. You can bring your Bible. You can open it up. We will dig in, and we will not be afraid of what we find there. Yes. Thank you, Julia. Anyone else want to answer that question to me? I wanted you to answer it for yourself, but does anyone else have something to share? Dale. Well, Hilda said truth. I like that. Truth? Yeah. I like what I learned Mm-hmm. Good. Brian? Like welcomed my questions, including the hardest questions I could. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Deborah?
Thank you, Deborah. Yeah, so what you found, what you loved here was a, an honest examination of all of Scripture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of us. Yeah. Yes, I'm sure it's what many feel too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyone else? Anyone else? Oh. Yes, Heather. Yes. Yeah, that's powerful. Jerry, we'll give you the last word. That the coon has always been welcoming. When I first came, I, I didn't feel like I was an evangelistic project. No gimmicks to, get, to lure me in or to make me stay. Basically, the people here said, welcome to the place where we get terrifyingly close to the Almighty. Buckle up, <laughs> right? The people were wise and understanding. People who thought deeply about God's word and who tend to only speak when they have something to say. Humble and courageous. People here who, who know they don't know it all. I mean, how can, you, how can you be opened to the 
unfathomable depths of Scripture and come away thinking, oh, i got to figure it out. This is how we do this, this is how we do that, we're good. If you don't do that, you're wrong. Like, no. You can't walk away from that thinking any highly of yourself. And people who are not afraid to engage in the depths they find there. The depths are scary. But not of God's word. Broken and balanced. People who have suffered loss in being here. Raise your hand if you have suffered loss just by being here. And who take none of it for granted. None of it. And finally, simple. This was a place when I first came and Hopefully it's still true. Where the people hear from God through study, speak to God through prayer and praise, and feast together on food for the body and soul. That's it. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that better than entertainment? Isn't that better than than being lured? Isn't that better than, than something flashy? I think so. I think it's real. So last week we talked uh, a bit about halakha, if you remember. And, and that the right way to think about it is summed up in this picture where there are Everything, the only thing they share in common, these lines and shapes and colors, is they're all pointing at the same goal, right? Some start close in the frame, some start a little farther back. Some are small, some are thick, some are red, purple, or yellow. That's us. Like we, we all come in this journey at a different point in our walk, and we must be allowed the privilege to wrestle with the way of God as individuals and not simply be told, okay, here's the way to do it. Do it this way and you're going to be fine and you're going to be saved and uh, etc. right? So we have this grace for each other. Walk, don't run was one of the things I loved hearing when I first came here because I wanted to know exactly how to do it Tell me so I can just start being a part of this body. People like us do things like this, right? I want to do it so that I can belong here. And love, 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 love is what this is all about. All of the ways of God are, are one of two ways, love of God and love of people. Not just love of God people. Right? That's easy to do. I mean, or sometimes some, some God people aren't so easy to love, but that is not the great commission to love God people only. But to love God and love people. 
A week before that, I think it was, when we had our Torah service, talked a little bit about hospitality. As one of the four devotions we find in Acts 2.42. And I thank you, Rob, for sharing from Acts 2.43 this morning, too. That's important to remember that after, after we devote ourselves to fellowship, breaking of bread, uh, the, wait, the fellowship, uh, the teaching of the apostles, the fellowship, breaking of bread, and the prayers, we were in awe. We have a sense of awe. And the reason why we are to be hospitable, to love the stranger, the foreigner, our neighbors, is because we were foreigners in Egypt too. Do not mistreat or oppress a foreigner, for you were foreigners in Egypt. Love people. Love people. Be hospitable. Give. Open your homes to people who need what we have found. And I love this quote from Samson Raphael Hirsch. But holiness of life in mind and deed demands something more. You must accord the stranger full equality with your native-born brother, also in your attitude, feelings, and goodwill. Moreover, by the love you show the stranger, you demonstrate, you demonstrate that God truly is your God. As for his sake, you embrace all his children with brotherly love. The respect and love you give to the stranger is the true test of your fear and love of God. Let me read that again. The respect and love you give to others is the true test of your fear and love of God. It's not how much you know. It's not how, what you have memorized It's not the amazing patterns that we find in Scripture that are there as a treasure and and to to fill us with joy. That's not, knowing these things are not the true test. This is the true test of our love and fear of God, is the respect and love we give to others. I said a couple weeks ago, and you've heard this before, I'm sure, that hospitality can change the what? World. Hospitality can change the world. A lot of what's happening in our culture is due to the fact that we just don't know our neighbor. How many of you, and I'm not, I, don't want to, I don't want you to raise your hand to shame you, but your hand will not be up alone, I promise you. Raise your hand if you don't know the names of all the people living immediately around your house. Yeah, that's not your fault entirely. (laughs) We have a culture that just doesn't set us up for success. And we have an obstacle to overcome there in manifesting the kingdom of God on earth. Do we not? Yes. So houses, houses, houses. Hospitality. Um. Coming to Beth Tacoon, the house of restoration. There's something important there. So, in your actual physical house, I want you to picture, picture yourselves there in your houses and think of what it is that God has provided you in your person 
and in your dwelling that could be used to further the kingdom of God. If we, as Beth Tacoon, are a house of restoration, say to yourself, mine will be a house of what? Pick one. Well, think, I want, this is something you do silently. Some, some preachers might be up here and, be, and say, do all those things, be all those. But that's a lot. Pick one or two. In our home, we love food and music. And so we can be a house of nourishment and praise. You may be, you may have a really awesome library. You can say, oh, you know what? I want my house in this house. My house would be a house of study. Or perhaps you have a real calling to prayer or conversation or care and healing. Your house could be a house of truth, compassion, connection, rest. And if there's anything else that's not on here that you know your house is good for and that your talents and your passions in the kingdom are primed for, do that. We've been given these homes, these houses, these apartments, and we should use them as we can. There are some who aren't able to do that. There are some households whose families do not facilitate a lot of people in their homes. But I know from when I was younger, and I know from some of our young folks telling me this, it is such a blessing as a single person or as a young people to go to a house of a family and just be in their midst, to be there and to feel the love they have for each other, to think of themselves as part of that family too. That is a blessing. It's important that we do this in, in regards to our own houses and not just this house, this house of restoration, because of something we were reminded of in our liturgy. It's on page 58, bottom of 57 and 58. From Egypt you redeemed us, Adonai, our God, and from the house of what? Slavery you freed us. 
Because of this, the loved ones praised and exalted God, and the beloved ones offered hymns, songs, and praises, blessings, and thanksgiving to the King, God, living and enduring, exalted and uplifted, great and awesome. We left a house of slavery. We were rescued from a house of slavery. Let let us not go back there. Let's not, let, let's not let our houses, our actual physical houses, be a house of any kind of slavery. Not a slavery to sin, not a slavery to fear, not a, sla- a house of a slavery to pride, not the house of slavery to self-pity, whatever it is. Redeem your house. Redeem your house. Sanctify it. For one of these, God has made you specifically to do something good in his kingdom. I know it. I know so many of you. And if you want help finding out what those things are, we can talk. But I think you know. So mine will be a house of what? And start picturing Start imagining it. How it is you can do that with the nice tea set you have? How can you do that with the spare bed you have? How can you do that with the comfortable throw blankets you have on your couch? With the coat hook, right? With the open door. How can you do that? This is a a map of greater Akron Hospitality, doing God's will of loving God and loving others will change the world. One restored house at a time. So this is a a map map, right? But if, if we were to close our eyes and imagine what a spiritual map would be of this same area, you don't have to close your eyes. I actually have a slide that's a visualization of what it is, so it took me a while to find this, so hopefully it, it, it works. But um, Actually, go ahead and turn out the lights, David, if you could turn out the lights. And could you close the blinds, too? I'm just kidding. <laughs> so if we were to close our eyes and think of what, what a spiritual map would be if for this area, I think it might look something like this. These are our houses. Burn this image into your brain. Your house is prepped to be a a bright light. These are the houses of restoration in the world. The houses of prayer, of study, of joy 
I almost strung up some party lights on the stage here and thinking, you too could be a party light. (laughs) And there's no bigger bummer than one of the party lights goes out. (laughs) This is what we should think of ourselves as. These are the, the bastions of shalom. The outposts of healing in a dark world. The lighthouses of truth. You know, for a while, uh, you can turn the lights back on, David, thank you. I want to share one more thing and then we'll pray and uh, we'll have some announcements and we'll go uh, after with Bracca, but there, there was a misunderstanding of the past few years um, that what we were doing was retreating to our homes. <clears throat> I could see how one might think that. But we were not retreating to our homes. What I want us to think about now, though, is something intentional. We are to be turning our homes into the places where God invades the world. So this isn't retreat. This is actually going into enemy territory in our homes. Who is our enemy? Not our neighbor. The enemy is the enemy. And he would like nothing more than for us to not know the names of our neighbors. He would like nothing more than for us to keep the door closed and whenever anyone knocks or rings the bell, hide. Do you do that? I do that. (laughs) I confess. I'm not expecting a knock. If I hear a knock, I'm like, oh, everybody be quiet. Maybe they'll go away. (laughs) Right? Yeah. It's a different world. So, let's go back to, oh, there it is. So these are words. We're a commonwealth of households who, in the light of Torah, and under the authority of Messiah Yeshua, strives to do God's will of love of God and others, manifesting his kingdom on earth. That is a academic, precise way of saying it. But what we're trying to be is this. Let us go up at once and occupy it for we are well able to overcome it. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you that you have redeemed us from a house of slavery. You've brought us out of a dark house and brought us into a house of light. 
And I pray, Father, that we would be ever in awe of you. We would recognize the divine calling you have on our lives. That as representative of nations, there are many nations in this room this morning, that we recognize our calling as a nation to be in the world where we are, to be light, to bring joy and truth and hope and love, compassion, praise, healing, comfort, food, a listening ear, a warm bowl of soup, a comfortable place to sit, something. And if you have not blessed us with actual homes we own ourselves, and to do that, you will show us, you will give us opportunities to do it wherever we are in the world, with whatever food we have on us, or whatever chair we have pulled beside us, we will be hospitable and give to those whom we do not know. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for sending us out, for preparing us over these years to be ready to receive people so that we can love them. Father, I pray on behalf of this congregation, these households present, please, Father, send them our way. Send them to our door, to our doors. And fill us with your spirit and with wisdom so that we can love them as you would love them. We're ready. Thank you. We praise you and bless you. And we come before you only through the work and sacrifice of your Son, in whose name we pray.